Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. We are continuing on this morning with our Time After Time series. And hasn't it been great so far? I've been really enjoying learning about time. And this morning, I've got a bit of a philosophical message for you today. So are you ready for a bit of philosophy, a bit of deeper thinking? Um, my message today is called, Where Earthly Time and Eternity Meet. Whoa, it's a bit like Dr. Strange this morning. Where earthly time and eternity meet. Where is that space? Um, we have a strange relationship with time, I think. You know, a couple of years ago, I did something called uh, the Gallup's Strengths Finder. Anyone in the room heard of the Gallup's Strengths Finder? Gallup is G-A-L-L-U-P. He did this amazing quiz and I think there's a huge list. If Colin's in the room, he'd probably be able to tell us how many strengths. It's like 80 or something. And you do the test and for 40 bucks, I think you can find out your top five strengths. For a bit more than that, it was probably a lot more than that. You can find out, you know, your strengths, all of them in order. And the idea is that you spend most of your time and energy on your top five strengths. Well, anyway, I did Gallup's Strengths Finder and I found out that my top strength was a futurist. And I thought, wow, this explains a lot to me because I constantly and consistently live about five years ahead of where I am today. Right now, I'm in 2027. I already know what's happening. I know what's going on and I know what I need to do to get there. And it's really challenging to live in the present for me. Now, I know that some of us live in the future. We're always dreaming, thinking about what's next. Some of us live in the past, trying to reconcile what happened and it's hard to get us into the present. Some of us live very, very happily right here and right now, don't they, you and Blakey? He's just my present man in the moment, living life. I love that and I need more of that. But time is a strange concept for us. Um, Abba said it like this, it's slipping through my fingers all the time. The Beatles said, yesterday all my troubles seem so far away. Sure said, if I could turn back time. <laughs> Hopefully that's not giving you a visual of where, of that film clip. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Warren said, I've had the time of my life. And Michael Jackson said, do you remember the time? We sing about it, we write movies about it, we talk about it, we find it hard to reconcile. Time is a strange concept. Well, in week one of our Time After Time series, Matt reminded us that we're missed. Our life is a mist. And he helped us consider our mist by giving us three Ps. Good job, Matt. Purpose, preparation and perspective. And last week, Colin challenged us around a carpe diem mindset. He challenged that. And he concluded that it wasn't really about the things we do, but who we're doing it for that really matters at the end of the day. Wasn't that great? Okay, and this week, we're going to talk about a teacher. 
a teacher that we find in Ecclesiastes 3. And um, all he says is that he's a preacher, son of David. Um, and so we don't know too much about him. We often think that Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Quite possibly that is true. However, the name teacher, which he refers to himself, is translated Koaleth. So I'm going to refer to the author of Ecclesiastes 3 today as Koaleth. Can you all have a go at that? Koaleth. Koaleth. Now, Koaleth is musing all through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's such a great book of the Bible. He's musing about the meaning of life. And here in Ecclesiastes 3, he's combining his musing about the meaning of life with the concept of time and seasons. And so we find here in the passage, Ecclesiastes 3.1, which is our key passage this morning, that he's musing on these things. And we're going to read it together now. Are you ready? We're going to start with Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. He says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And he moves into poetry here. He says, There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Well, that's probably the last couple of years. <laughs> a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. Time for war and a time for peace. And all the mothers say amen there because it really sounds like a poem about raising kids. <laughs> I've got to be honest, as I was reading that, I was like, one memory, I'm sorry, I'm just going to slightly digress and tell you a hilarious story. A quick memory that comes up for me is a time to scatter stones and a time to embrace them. I remember this classic family holiday in Calbarry. We went with another family. I must have been, I don't know, 10 or something like that. The family we went with were playing in the playground with their kids and one of their kids, it wasn't our kids, it wasn't our family, it was their family. One of them picked up a stone and didn't want to share the playground and flung it at another kid's head. And um, ended up family biffos, there was stuff going on and stuff going down everywhere. And I thought, this is surely her time to die because her parents are going to take her out and make another one just like her. <laughs> a time to scatter stones and a time to throw them. No. But I digress. He goes on. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom it. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. 
What an interesting passage. Ecclesiastes 3 is really just a follow-on from a dilemma that the writer is trying to solve. And that dilemma is, what profit is there for the worker from that in which he toils? Or said in common day language, it's like this. I've been given time, but I still don't understand what it's all for. That's really the question he's asking. I've been given time, you've been given time, but we still don't understand. Well, he doesn't understand. What is it all for? What am I actually getting out of this life experience? And so he's trying to answer that. But before we move forward, let's just go backward for a moment and set the scene here. Because in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer is still searching for the meaning of life. But in his searching, he's saying, I searched three different kind of lifestyle types to see if they contained meaning. He talks about it. It's very interesting. The first lifestyle type that he explores in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 is, is wisdom. He says, I'm, I pursued wisdom, I applied my mind to study, and he says, I became the wisest person that anybody's ever known. But he concludes that wisdom, with wisdom comes much sorrow and with knowledge, much grief. He's saying, I've studied a bachelor, I've got degrees and certificates, maybe even a PhD and a master's. I've done courses and classes, but it's all meaningless. He says it's meaningless. The word he uses is haval, which means vapour. It's meaningless to search for wisdom. Then he goes on to the second lifestyle. He says, well, if that's not meaningful in life, then I'll move on. And so he decides to keep wisdom. He must have enjoyed being the wisest man that ever lived. But he adds pleasure. He adds pleasure. And he says, I cheered myself up with wine, with folly. I built houses. I planted vineyards. It sounds quite fun. He made gardens and parks. He added pools. He had slaves, i.e. cleaners and cooks. He had flocks. He amassed silver and gold. It says he had male and female singers. Can you imagine just having male and female singers around the place? Hey, you. Yes, you. Stand up now. Sing Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Go. I would love that. In fact, I feel like I try with Amelia, but it doesn't always work out for me. Stand up. Sing to me. No. He even had a harem because one's never enough, I guess, which equates to having an affair on the side, I suppose. He denied himself nothing that his eyes desired. And he says, yet when I surveyed my hands and everything that I had achieved, I found it's all meaningless, haval, vapour. There's nothing substantial to it. So he says, okay, wisdom doesn't work, pleasure doesn't work, let's try enterprise or endless toil. Let's try that, see if that's got anything for me. So he starts, he considers endless toil and enterprise to achieve success. Maybe success will give me some purpose in this life. But he finds it's foolish 
And he concludes, if I'm doing all of this enterprise and endless work and then I die, I'm leaving it to people who might be fools. They've worked, not worked for it, they don't know how to handle it and I'm just leaving it in their hands. Well, that is meaningless. Haval, vapour, nothing substantial in it. And when I read that, it reminded me a little bit of a scripture in 1 John 2.16, which says, For everything in the world, the three things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of, the, sorry, the lust of the fresh flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. I think we've got to consider that word vapour. It's here for a moment and then it's poof, gone forever. Kehelleth's qualifying factor then in his search for the meaning of life was, I'm looking for something which lasts the test of time. Something that's not a vapour that just disappears in a moment. And at this point, we arrive at Ecclesiastes 3, where there is a time for everything and a season for everything, every activity under the heavens. So that's where we pick up our discussion again. And then we know, we just read, he goes on to talk about the various seasons that we might find ourselves in in our life, which is like an orderly sequencing of God. It's his times and his seasons. And he created these times and seasons that we may find ourselves in. By the way, we're free to respond. Humankind is free to respond to these seasons however we feel, although the author, he's not telling us how to respond, he's just telling us that there are seasons. And in fact, his whole point in this passage is you can't actually understand how to respond to the times and the seasons that you find yourself in because even though God's put eternity in your heart, you can't understand it. You can't understand it. So here's the times and here's the seasons and God's put eternity in your heart. But don't even try to understand because you can't fathom eternity. You can't fathom what God is doing from the beginning to the end. So then he just says, well, if we can't fathom it, if we can't understand it, then the meaning of life is this. Be happy. Do good. Eat drink, amen, find satisfaction in all your work, this is the gift of God. And there it is, people, the meaning of life, according to Kaheleth. Now, I could mic drop, actually, I can't mic drop because it's attached to me, and walk off the stage at this moment and say, done, there you go, there's the meaning of life, everybody. But I can't. Because it leaves me with an unresolved conflict in my own spirit, which says this. I know I've been given earthly time with seasons and I know what to do with it. I can work, I can eat, I can play. But what do I do with the deposit of eternity that God has set in my human heart? What do I do with that? Because it's always calling out to me. 
It's always drawing me in. It's hiding behind bushes and it jumps out. Here I am, eternity. Here I am again. It's always present, quietly in the background, calling out to us, is it not? We're always searching for eternal, deep things. And we feel unfulfilled and unresolved when we don't have an answer to the eternity that God has set in our hearts. Is that true? And so we're looking for meaning. So I've drawn up a little diagram here. I've got a couple of little diagrams. I thought it might help you. What is the meaning of life and time according to Kaheleth? Well, he says, pursue pleasure, endless toil, which is vapour. Ignore eternity, but just eat, drink, be happy, do good. But that leaves a deep unanswered question for us, which is, How do I understand eternity in the context of my earthly life? Which leads us to endless actions. Because the solution is to fill our lives with more. See, this is what happens, friends. If we don't understand eternity, we will continually fill that empty, infinite void on the inside of us with more stuff. More stuff because it's great and vast. It can never be filled. And so we keep going round and round and round the cycle. Well, the meaning of life must be then wisdom, pleasure, enterprise, endless work. So I'll do that again to try and look for meaning. And we end up on the hamster wheel of life. Going round and round and round, looking for meaning, looking for something to fill that God-sized hole which is enormous. And so we end up, and I I think we know many, many people who are on that cycle, don't we? Just have a look at it. How do we get off the hamster wheel? Fortunately for us, everybody, we've got the New Testament this morning, which Kaheleth never had, which reveals more to us about time. And I think for us, we can understand eternity and the meaning of life better when we understand why God created time. Because he lives outside of time, right? God lives out of the mass time space continuum that we have on earth. He's not subject to gravity. We are. He's not subject to time. We are. That's why he is the God of miracles because he operates outside of the earthly constraints which we have. So why did God create time for us? That's a good question. It's in the Bible. It's in Ephesiastes 1, 9 to 10. This is amazing. It says this, With all wisdom and understanding, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will. This is something Kaheleth never had. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfilment, which was to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, let me tell you what that actually means. It means God's purpose for time. The reason he created time was to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. That is why we have time, so that God might bring heaven and earth under Christ, that he may rule and reign. That is the purpose of time. 
And it's found in Jesus. The purpose of time is found in Jesus. The purpose of time is found in Jesus. The meaning of life found in Jesus. So Jesus is the eternity that our hearts seek to understand. So then how do we get off the hamster wheel of life? Well, throw up the second diagram, guys. This is how we get off the hamster wheel is that we go about pursuing wisdom, pleasure and endless toil because that's how we feel we make a contribution and we find meaning. We start there, which leads to frustration and emptiness and burnout and tiredness and exhaustion. Which, and we ignore eternity because we don't know what to do with it. We eat, drink, work, be good, be happy. But there's that deeply unanswered question, which is what do I do with eternity? And here's where Jesus enters into our life. Here's the moment we grasp and grapple with eternity. It's Jesus and the purpose of time is that all things would come under him. So then we're able to get off the hamster wheel of life. Do you like how I keep doing this? It's a hamster. supposed to be a hamster. We get off the hamster wheel of life when we encounter Jesus Christ, everybody, and he gives us meaning and purpose. So what do we actually do with the time that God's given us then? Okay, if we got off the hamster wheel, when Jesus steps in, what do we do with our time? What does that look like? Because Kahela thought that we eat, drink, be good, be merry, get on with life. What does Jesus think? If, if we're going to partner with God to bring heaven and earth under Jesus, what does that look like for us? And this is what it looks like, everybody. And if I could just have the worship team back, it's, this is the key. We look to where earthly time and eternity intersect. We look to where earthly time and eternity intersect. Where does it intersect? This is where it intersects. This is the big point. This is what I want you to get this morning. When we use our eating, our drinking, our doing good, our being happy, but the greater purpose, the eternal purpose, is that we partner with God to bring heaven and earth under Jesus. This cycle is the eternal work which lasts beyond haval, vapour. This is lasting work. It's when the eternal infuses into the temporal, which influences and gives meaning to life. It's unplugging ourselves from the hamster wheel and connecting ourselves to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How does that practically look? It looks like this. We go about what we do every day. We do every day. Okay? We do every day. But we take Jesus wherever we go. We take him with us when we eat, when we drink, when we go to work, when we do good, when we're being happy. He comes with us. We bring light to dark places in our workplaces, in our universities, in our schools. Wherever we go in our restaurants, we're bringing light. We're bringing healing to brokenness. 
wherever we go. You know, last Sunday, I went shopping with Millie. We were going to do winter wardrobe. And we went to the Universal store and Millie was trying on some clothes. And this sweet young thing, she's 21, she was helping us. And I don't know, I just was sitting there and I thought, I'm just going to start talking to her. And she was a willing participant in the conversation. We were having a great old chat, which about all kinds of things. Basketball, because I'm a retiring now, living vicariously through my son. And she was a basketball player at Lakeside as well. And um, talking about life, she told me I got home at 3am last night, it was a big night. And I'm like, yeah. And um, just chatting. And then she says, actually, I had to give up basketball because last year I got diagnosed with MS. And I went, here's my moment. Bringing healing to brokenness. And I said, I put my hand on her hand. I said, oh my goodness. You're only 21 and you've got MS. What's that like for you? She's like, I'm a really positive person. I'm doing okay, but I have to go into the cancer ward and I have to have intravenous drips very often so that my body will still function. She said, my mum was a mess, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay one step at a time. You know, conversation sort of finished there and I went to the counter and she came up to say goodbye and I said, I put my hand on her and I said, Ella, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that God would do the impossible in your life and that you would see some breakthrough in your body. And she said, are you involved in the church? I said, quite heavily, actually. She said, I used to go to church. Do you go to Lakeside Baptist? I went, no, but we're just down the road. She goes, I used to go to church when I was growing up. I did discipleship schools and I was so involved and I haven't been in so long. And I whipped out a come and see card from my handbag, just like that. Free coffee. And I said, you know what? You might like to check us out online and come visit us. And I'd love to have you and introduce you to Jesus again. And that's kind of where we left it and ended. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, but come on. I was shopping at Garden City with Jesus, doing ordinary everyday things but I'm taking Jesus with me. Come on, light in dark places, healing in brokenness, love where there is hate and hopelessness, freedom where there's guilt, shame and fear. And we, we continue to be transformed into the likeness of Christ and we live according to the Spirit's lead in our life and we surrender our time into His hands. That is what it looks like, church where earthly time and eternity intersect. I want to finish on this scripture. Romans 12, it's found in the message, which is sometimes super appropriate. Listen carefully to what this says. Paul, he says, so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, God help all of you Take your everyday, ordinary life. Come on, say everyday, ordinary life. It doesn't say your amazing, powerful, breakthrough, extravagant, crazy life. It says your everyday, ordinary life. 
Why are we always trying to have these amazing, super powerful lives? Can't we just have everyday, ordinary lives and let the miraculous be there? Can't we have that? I'm sick of pursuing this greatness thing. I want us to have everyday, ordinary lives where our time intersects with heaven. Can we have that? Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. Yes, amen, sleeping. We're allowed to do that. And the mums get to have an extra nap this afternoon. You're eating. Yes, amen, we get to do that. We get to enjoy that. You're going to work. Yes, you get to enjoy that too. Walking around life. Take that life and place it before God as an offering. That is where earthly time and eternity intersect. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Instead, fix your attention on God.